Today I got a word that I believe will bless you. Today I want to talk about being broken. Mm. Have you been broken? I've been broken when Sherry don't give me a hug. (laughs) Brokenness is something we will all deal with. Brokenness is something that uh, is inevitable. Uh, For some of us, we cause our own brokenness Mm -hmm. by making bad choices. There's a saying we have, if you, when you, you make your choices and then your choices make you. Mm. Oftentimes we make decisions that can put us in some bad positions and we end up as broken people. Mm. Right? And sometimes things happen to us that leaves us broken. Brokenness is something that uh, we struggle with. It is, it is something that devastates life. That we spend a lot of life trying to repair that brokenness. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a famous nursery rhyme about an egg <laughs> that oh. sat on a wall and had a great fall. And no matter who came, they couldn't put Mr. Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mm-hmm. And one day me and Savannah was joking about that and said, why didn't they call Jesus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they called everybody. And the truth of the matter is a lot of us are broken Broken because someone has hurt you. Broken because your dreams are far away. Broken because someone has betrayed you. Broken because you became successful, but it's not what you thought it would be. There's nobody there to enjoy it with. Broken because uh, I could go on and on, Sister Sherry. A loved one walked out on you. You were abused as a child. Mm. People have dealt with verbal abuse and sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and can't get over. Broken because you worked all your life, you did everything right, and the doctor gave you some news that you are terminally ill and they are going to try everything, but they don't know what the outcome will be and you're broken. Brokenness can cause you to get angry at God, Mm. angry at men, bitter, To the point where it drives you to want to go into a room, lie on a bed, pull a blanket over your face, and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Some people get broken to the point of suicide. Some people get broken to the point of low Mm self-esteem. They're not sure of themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. Not sure if their words have weight. Mm -hmm. Not sure if anybody cares. Not sure if anybody You know, you do things and you're always second-guessing yourself. Mm. You don't even have confidence in yourself anymore. No confidence in in your giftings anymore. You're at the mercy of everybody. Mm. Broken and you're hoping that somebody would hit like in your life. That Mm. somebody would come and say, uh, you know, you're appreciated. Mm. Brokenness is real. Brokenness is loneliness. Sometimes you're broken in your room full of people, but you can't even relate. Sometimes it feels like a dark cloud that you just can't get rid of. You wake up with it over your head. You go to work with it. You're in a room full of people, and you're supposed to be happy with them, but you're just not happy. You don't even know how to really share what's going on. And so you kind of retreat to a place of just isolation. Mm. Not that people aren't around you, but you're still isolated. Mm. You're always watching what you say now. There's no freedom in you being you anymore. Mm. 
You can't come around and joke and just be you because you're worried about who to trust. What will they say? What will they? And it all comes from a broken place. Mm. Brokenness is real, y'all. And we all experience it, Mm. whether it's from a marriage, whether it's from a a family member that, uh, uh, that hurt you and betrayed your trust, whether it's a job, whether it's a career, whatever it is, we have all or will at some point have somebody shatter us. Mm -hmm. We will be broken. I want to go to the scriptures today and I want to, I'm going to do some storytelling today. There's a man there that some of you might know and some of you don't know. And I'm going to pull from his life some things, Mm -hmm. hallelujah, that I believe will help you if what I'm saying applies to you today. If by chance you're watching and you say, I'm on cloud nine, don't turn the dial so so fast. Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee that if you're living on planet earth, something will shatter your ego. Mm -hmm. Somebody will come. Something will happen. Life happens. Mm -hmm. And you will find yourself at a place where you say, how did I get here? I don't know about you, Sister Sherry, but I've often asked myself that as a young man with so many things happening, so many things still happening, you find yourself not being able to enjoy. You know, I'm reminded of a story in the Bible before I tell the story in the Bible (laughs) of the man who planted a farm. The Bible says the man planted and he planted nothing but good seeds Mm -hmm. and he went to sleep. And the Bible says while he was asleep, an enemy came and planted in the midst of his farm. And when he woke up, he saw the wheat that he had planted, but along with the wheat was growing tares. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you plant wheat, but you wake up and right alongside wheat is tears. I mean, it literally is on this side, I can see the wheat. But right next to the wheat, I can see the pain. I've got wonderful family, but when I look over here, I see a bad doctor's report. I've got success over here, but I look over here and it's nothing but bitterness between me and my family. I've got this, and and they grow together. And the Bible says that Uh, someone said to the farmer, leave it alone. There's coming a time when God will separate the wheat from the tares. Now we know in context he's dealing with end times there. But I believe there's something that applies to our personal life there too. That when you look at your personal life, you can see the wheat, the good that God wants to do, growing light alongside the tares. And the problem is not so much the wheat. <laughs> the problem is the tears. And today I want to go to a story uh, that is taken, that revolves around my man David. Mm. Now everybody's King David. Everybody's slaying giants. Well, King David became king. <clears throat> and here's the context before I read, because I'm going to read a lot today. David became king and... 
when he became king, he had a good friend in the son of Saul, Jonathan, was his good friend. And Jonathan and Saul had died. But because of Jonathan, David looked around and he said, I want to be a blessing to this brother's family if there is anyone still alive mm -hmm. that is remaining. So here's David as king. He thinks about his friend Jonathan. He thinks about King Saul. And he says, I want to be a blessing for any of their family that might still be alive. Mm -hmm. And so this is where our story starts. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 4, verse 4, <clears throat> it reads, hallelujah, if you would put it up there for me. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. Do you see that there? Mm -hmm. So Jonathan had a son who was lame in his feet. He couldn't walk. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then the Bible tells us how he became lame. Mm -hmm. He was five years old. When the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Mm -hmm. And his nurse, uh, she took him up mm -hmm. and fled and it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth, right? Now, I want you all to see this. Here is a young man, five years old, didn't even experience life at all, right? Didn't go nowhere in life as yet. And... Saul and Jonathan is dead. That news comes around. And the person who is nursing him, she starts to fear for her life. Because she doesn't know what David is going to do. She doesn't know what's going to happen in Israel at that point. So she scoops up the young man and begins to run. In the process of running... The Bible says she drops him. And it must have been some tremendous drop. I mean, this is no she's running and she dropped the baby. This is probably she's running and coming down a stair. And the, the, the little boy slips out of her hand and goes tumbling. Whatever it was, it was to the point where... He lost all of his ability to walk anymore. It wasn't his fault. <clears throat> he did nothing. He did nothing other than be there. <clears throat> and I don't know about you, but in our lives, sometimes you don't ask to be dropped you don't ask for somebody to do this type of damage to you. You got married and somebody dropped you. You got, you, you, the marriage didn't work. You were born into a home and somebody, somebody, ah, ah gosh, this is going to be tough. But when you're dealing with broken, somebody, somebody, broke all of the trust between adult and child 
and abused you. Do you know how many women in America, in the world, have stories that they will never tell that they are carrying? Mm -hmm. Somebody dropped you. And I'm beginning to find out too, Sister Sherry, because we used to think that's a woman problem. Do you know how many men have been abused as kids? Mm -hmm. Someone come into your life and, 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 and hurt you, hurt you badly. And as a result, you can walk, but in other areas of your life, you are lame. You can't move forward. Maybe your abuse wasn't physical, or, or I should say sexual. It was maybe you were abused physically. You, you see what I'm saying? Somebody beat you. Some, you, watched, you watched an abuser in your house. Or maybe your abuse was verbal. Somebody told you what you could never do, what you would never amount to. They always compared you. That's one of the worst things parents can do. Why can't you be more like? Mm -hmm. And as simple as those words were, that's one of the things, Sister Sherry, I made sure I put a lock and key on my mouth. Right. Because having these children, yeah, I already knew that every child is going to have their own challenges in life and they're going to have their own personalities and every parent wants to personally design every one of their child. I know you do. Yeah. You already know who you want your children to marry. Mm -hmm. You be tell I be sitting back. I'm like this lady crazy. <laughs> and then your kids are constant reminders of your little paradigm is not what we are. Right. We gonna do us. Yeah. And I understood that. But one of the things in doing that is I wanted to make sure that I never took my paradigm and found somebody else who fits that and then tell them, why can't you be more like? Because they are not that. They are never that. And it devastates that child to the point where they feel like they're always living up to some other potential that they were never called to be. God gifted them with their personality. You've got to let them go and you've got to let them grow and you've got to trust that God who does the saving is going to save them. That's that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you might be watching today and you might have heard those words. You might have heard you were, you were not like and you can't and your grades are not like and as a result, you why can't you be? And you're hurting. You're hurting. And these things are real. This little boy, all he did was be born into a family that was already chaotic. You know, this thing goes deep. People in this world face racism. They face, they face uh, classism. Because you didn't have a certain amount of money, people didn't give you a chance. Because you're a certain color, people didn't think you're capable of certain things. Mm -hmm. And listen, that's not just, racism is, it's, it's every angle because even I as a mixed person, I get it from everybody. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who it comes from, it hurts. Right. Whether you are black, Hispanic, Asian, white, to be discriminated against hurts. Yeah. 
And let me tell you something. People are broken because they've been rejected because they weren't a certain class. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't have a certain amount of money. They never, they never was looked upon as somebody. They come around. I've, I've felt that before. I felt, I felt that before. I felt. Mm-hmm. I remember the other day sitting in a car, and unfortunately, sometimes, and you got to give grace. People grow, mm-hmm. and there's a brother now whose level of respect for me has, has grown. Mm-hmm. But I remember the other day when I first met this brother. Uh, he was good to me, was good, but you could see moments of you didn't think what was in me was in me. You didn't think the abilities that was in me was in me. And you could see from conversation how other people were treated and spoken to. And when you were spoken to, you kind of know you were not viewed the same. I don't know what it was, Mm -hmm. but that's just the nature of people. People see you and they want to throw you in a box. Mm -hmm. I thank God that he's given me, I don't know what it is, a drive. And I have to be careful because sometimes that drive will go to prove to them. But he's given me a drive and he's given me the ability to let something go. When it happens to yeah, me. That's true. It, yeah, he has, he has, he has, he has. And, uh, but that's not the case for a lot of people. When it happens to a lot of people, people walk around and say, oh, yeah. oh, you, you, you don't think. Uh, glory be to God. There's people watching today that are like this young man. Mm-hmm. Somebody dropped you. And the Bible says that, look at this, the next verse, uh, we're going to go, skip ahead in the chapter. The Bible tells you the story of what happens to this young man. Second mm-hmm. Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he summoned a man named Ziba. Now I want y'all to remember Ziba, we're dealing with supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever has ever, ever, ever in my life said, I am like Zeba in the Bible. Uh, I never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Zeba. Right? And, um, and, and nobody's ever said, and I got to say his name slow, Mephibosheth name. Nobody's ever said they are him either. Nah. Right? But check this out. He summoned a man named Zeba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Zeba? The king asked. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, I am. Zeba replied. Go on. And look at what the word of the Lord says. Uh, the king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zeba replied, yes, one, Jonathan's uh, son is still alive, but he is crippled in both uh, feet. And where he is, the king asked, where, where is he, the king asked? In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Amiel. Now, Lodabar is a place when, when you were crippled and nobody felt you were going to be anything. All of the people literally lived there. Yeah, it's like, it's the equivalent to when we in New York say, what's a neighborhood mm. where you know 
there's a lot of activity that might not be acceptable happens in that neighborhood because the, 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 the society we live in has deemed that to be an area where there's not money there, there's classism there, there's a Nazareth, a Nazareth. Mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right? And so whenever, whenever you have an issue, and I want y'all to watch this, it can then lump you into a place mm-hmm. where the rest of the world kind of just says, this is where you are. Yeah. And that's what brokenness does. Yeah. Brokenness pushes you into an arena, into an area that can sometimes bring you down to a place like a loader bar where you feel cast out, ostracized. You feel like I don't belong. And this is where he was. And so that's the significance of what he was saying. Zeba said, yeah, there is a family member, but he over there in Lodabar. In other words, King, he's in a place where do you really want to go there to look for him? Because he's pretty much done. He's crippled, and this is what we do with crippled folks. But how many of you know there's something else happening in this story, yes, Sister Sherry? Yes. Oh, glory to be to God. Mm-hmm. Zeba is talking to the king. And he assumes that the king would never have need of a cripple. The king would never have need of a man who's broken. The king would never go to a place where brokenness is. Because that's an ostracized place. That's a place where kings don't go. King, if you want to be a blessing, we got to look for people who are worthy of the blessing. Why would you go to the worst of the worst to try to find somebody to bless? Ziba said, yeah, there is a son, but he's down in Lodabar. Don't don't go look for him. He's crippled. He's a nobody. But I want you to know that when it comes to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, hallelujah, he doesn't look for your rank or status because I've learned about Jesus that there ain't a rank or status on earth that impresses the king of kings. Hallelujah. And the king specializes in going to broken places where people are ostracized and saying, I want to bless them. Uh, Incidentally, here's something I want you to think about too. The blessing that is about to come to this young man, hallelujah, is as a result of the way his father lived. He's going to get blessed for Jonathan's sake. So sometimes, hallelujah, living right, hallelujah, is not just for you, but for your children and children's children. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. It's not just money. Hallelujah. It's character. It's the way you live that will cause your children to live on. Hallelujah. And he is being blessed because of what his father did. And the king said, uh, uh, Ziba said, ain't nobody want to bless. Ain't nobody going down there. He's in Lodabar. Go put the scripture back up. Let's see what David said. David, however, said, the king said, uh, 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 said, so David sent for him. David brought him 
from Makir's home, and his name was, I'm butchering this man's name all morning, Mephibosheth, right? And he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And he replied, I am your servant. Go on. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Let me, let me show you something. Let me show you something. My man went from crippled to living a life of brokenness with broken people to an instant now sitting at the king's table. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, y'all. Let me tell you something. When you think God ain't doing something for you, this is something I always say, and you can trust this and take this to the bank. When you are trying to make God do one thing in your life and you think he's not doing that one thing, there is a million things that you are not seeing that God is doing. Miracles are happening all around you. And when they manifest, it blows your You know, God has done that in my life several times. Mm -hmm. I mean, over the past couple of weeks, we've seen it. I've seen God take things that I'm not even paying attention to and putting them in places that is bringing blessings in my life. And when the phone calls come in, I sit back and I say to myself, I wasn't expecting that. I see God doing things in other areas that you sit back. Let me tell you, when you think your life is over and God has forgotten about you, you have no idea what God has planned for you next. Here is this young man sitting in a place of rejection. Maybe he's a beggar by now. Maybe he's, I mean, he's got royalty in him. He's Saul's grandson. His father was Jonathan. But here he is because of a condition of no fault of his own. It got him in a place Hallelujah, where he's a nobody, where he feels like he's, he's uh, he, he, nobody, like his life doesn't even count. But little does he know that the king was getting ready to bless his life because of who he is. Now, let me, let me take my time to explain that to you. When you are the king's kid and royalty is in your vein, the king is going to make sure you are blessed. Yes. And David in an instant took that man from where he was, begging as a cripple, living in obscurity, to sitting at the king's table. And let me tell you something about God. It don't, God doesn't need millions of years to transform your life. Yes. He can do it in an instant. Mm -hmm. And in an instant, he got to the table. Now, most people would end the sermon right there. Because mm, that's good. <laughs> but we're dealing with supporting cast. 
Zebra. <laughs> Let's talk about Zebra. Y'all still hanging with me? People still with me? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people could relate to uh, Mephibosheth. Or want to, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been yes. broken. I've been, yes. I've been ostracized. I've been, yeah, I've been. Oh, but Zeba, 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 Zeba. I don't know because, to be honest, you're going to find yourself with the young man, you're going to find yourself as Zeba, or you're going to find yourself relating to David. So the story goes on now. Zeba is living it up. Zeba's the servant. So Saul calls him in. Saul said, put it, put it, put, put up the screen, put up the scriptures. Let's read it. We, we just read it. He said, uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. So, 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 so don't put that up yet. Don't put that up yet. Don't put that up yet. So watch this. So David has got Mephibosheth eating at his table every day. They're lounging. And every day this young man is coming to eat with the king. Yeah. He gets to laugh with David. He gets to, when David tells story, when David recalls how he fought Goliath, there is my man laughing it up. He's every day. Day, he's got a meal at the king's table. He's go when his friends see him, where you going? He's like, what do you mean I'm going? It's six o'clock. I'm going with the king. I'm going to the palace. That's where I be. That's what we do. So his life is totally transformed. You know what I'm saying? And so every day he's there. And then one day the tables turn. David has a situation with a son by the name of Absalom. Y'all might know Absalom. Absalom had the greatest hair of all times. Heavy. Yeah, his hair was like, what, 10 pounds? He died because of his hair. His hair got caught on a tree and hung him. Handsome young man, the Bible says. Like, like, like Absalom, like me. Yes. No, I'm not Absalom. <laughs> I am not taking Absalom. No, handsome like Absalom. I don't want nothing to do with it. I'll be ugly <laughs> to be away from Absalom. But Absalom, see how we don't see ourselves? I, I see David, but really I might be a little Abby. Amen. <laughs> you call him Abby. Abby. That's my man, Abby. <laughs> Absalom. Yes. So Absalom <laughs> is tight over another situation that David never dealt with. Because David wasn't perfect either. Yep. As a father, he didn't handle business. So Absalom is mad. And this thing caused a deep, deep family issue. To where Absalom now is like, yo, my father ain't. He ain't handling things the way I think he should. And I'm taking over his kingdom. And the Bible says one by one, every day Absalom stood. And he talked to the people and he won their hearts over one by one. So while people were going in to see David, as they walked out, Absalom would be like, you think that about him? You really? You really think David is all that? Mm. And you know they are glory stealers? Mm. Yeah. People who can talk about you and pull off all that God has done in your life and rip it right from you and paint another picture in people's head. And let me tell you something, when, you, when words are released, you can't undo them. You know, if somebody, even when something is a lie, mm -hmm. just the fact that it was said, people still start to think that lie about you. You know how many people have been lied on that can't shake a lie? Yeah. That people just know them about that? And every day, Absalom would talk, talk. Be careful. Watch your, tell your neighbor, watch your mouth. Watch, watch your, your mouth. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Because if you regurgitate stuff about people, you shatter their image, and you put something in your own mind about them that you might not be able to shake. And every day he did that. And the Bible says that he did that every day. My man worked yeah. till all the people loved Absalom. And now they were looking to him. So Absalom was the only one who ever put David on a run. No, David was a warrior of warriors. When I talk about to the point where when he wanted to build a temple, God said, nah. You know, you 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 got blood. Well, blood was dealing with Uriah. You got blood on your hands. Mm -hmm. But he was a warrior. And he said, nah, you know. And nobody has ever shaken David. Nobody. But the Bible says Absalom, one day the story was told that somebody ran in and said, Absalom is coming with an army for you. And the Bible said, that David's throne was shaken. And David begun to flee. Now when he's fleeing, they got people mocking him and laughing at David. And what's the boy named uh, Shimei? All these people throwing rocks at David. And and Joab, his one of his main men and his yeah. army folks was around. His dudes was like, when they threw rocks at David, David was so brokenhearted over fighting his own son. They throwing rocks and laughing at him that the, the, that one of his generals said, Yo, you want me you want me to take his head off? You want me to handle that? David said, just leave him. David took the rocks from you know, like these were no, these were fighters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they like, they take your head off in a minute. And David is sad, David is off, and David's son is ruling and making a mockery of him as a king, doing all types of stuff, while David finds himself again in exile. Be careful that you don't think when you've arrived that you can't unarrive. David was on, on the run when he was a child from Saul. And now that he's full-blown king, he's on a run from his own son. And I want you to know something, y'all. That you never have to, whatever you have to fight for, you're going to have to fight to keep. But when God gives you something, God is going to fight your battles for you. Mm -hmm. And David never had to fight or kill anybody for the kingdom. That was God's doing in his life. Mm -hmm. And God was going to make sure he keep it. Now watch this. At this time, this way, good old Zeba come back into the story. Yeah. I told y'all storytelling time. Yeah. Amen? Mm-hmm. I hope y'all enjoying this, man. A lot of people don't get to explore the Bible, right? So Zeba comes to Samuel and he says, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 16, look at this. He says, the Bible says, when David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Zeba, the servant of Mephibosheth <laughs> was waiting there for him. And he had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 bunches of summer fruit, and a wineskin full of wine. Go on. What are all of these? The king asked Zeba. So Zeba's, David is hiding. Yeah. Zeba comes to visit him and brings all of this supplies. And the king said, what's this, Zeba? Zeba replied, the donkeys are for the king's people to ride on. And the bread uh, and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. 
The wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. Go on. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson? The king asked. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, today I will give back the kingdom of my grandfather, Saul. All right. So that's what he said, right? Hallelujah. Now, I, 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 I put, put, don't put that up yet. Don't put that up yet. And I think there's more scriptures at the bottom too. Don't put that up yet. So, so David is in exile. Ziba comes, brings the supplies and said, because Ziba is the servant that is in charge of caring for meth. Uh, meth. I'm going to mess this man. For meth. I'm going to call him <laughs> meth. I don't know if I should call him meth. But he's in charge of taking care of him. And he says, where is he? Why ain't he come to see me? I gave this man to eat at my table every day. Why is he not here? And Ziba says, oh, him? He's back home saying that he's going to be the king. He's going to get back his throne today. Now, what do you do if you're David? This is what David said, the Bible said. As soon as Ziba, I, I didn't put that scripture up, but right after that, David said, Ziba, you're going to have all his land. Ooh, taken. Taken from him. Yeah. Never, ever judge a story mm-hmm. until you hear both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is humanity on display right here, y'all. If I was David, I'd be tight too. I'd be like, soon as I meet him, I'm I'm in his head. Yeah. In his head. He going Off with his head. Off with. Yes. I mean, you a little <laughs> more violent than me. But when I you 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 know, have you ever I can imagine what David feel. David is feeling all these people have betrayed me. And let me tell you something. If you're a leader, you're gonna come up into moments when you don't know who to trust. Yeah. You don't know, because loyalty is a rare thing. Here his son is doing this to him. Even the general he's running with, Mm -hmm. David was never secure or confident with him. Mm -hmm. And when he dies, he even tells Solomon, he said, this dude, it just, it's it's weird how life is. That's why David wrote so many times about going to God and who can he trust and Mm -hmm. enemies around him. Because sometimes it's not the enemies that you can clearly see coming is when you live your life and you don't know who around you is for you. And David is in this conundrum here where he's like, ah, ah." if you ever want to be king, if you ever want to rule over anything, be careful what you're asking for. Because the platform that you're on is a lot of people that wants the platforms. And when you get success, no, there's a lot of people coming for the success. And that in there lies the problem for successful people. Because you don't know who is here for you or the platform. You don't know who is trying to get a piece of the pie or who is here for the platform. You don't know. And David reacts naturally like everybody when Ziva says this and says, all the land going to be for you. David eventually defeats, Absalom dies, and David returns back. Mm -hmm. So when he comes back, he's going to meet Meth. (laughs) Let's check it out. Let's go. Let's go to the scripture. 
I'm getting, getting ready to end this, y'all. So now, Meth, <laughs> Saul's grandson, came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared. Uh, uh, he had not cared. Am I saying that right? Cared for his feet, uh, trimmed his beard, or washed his clothes since the day the king left. No, leave that. Leave that right there. I want you all to see that. So Ziba says he's home lounging, thinking is. But when David sees him, David see this man ain't taking care of his foot. He ain't. He he grew a long beard. He ain't. He ain't cut it. He ain't washed. He ain't even. He wasn't cared for. And nothing on him seems to present somebody of gloating. Hold on now, Zeba. Wait a minute now, Zeba. Who somebody lying? Somebody's lying in this story. And this is the thing about humanity, y'all. Is that people end up broken even more because of, of, of things that we do to one another. And that's why one of the things this year I said to God, I said, God, I'm not chasing things as much as I want to be a righteous person in your sight. Because some of us are zebras to people. Some of us are in a David position where you don't know who's saying what in life. And this makes life complicated. But look at what God does. This young man, look, look, look. He said, the Bible says he ain't even took care of himself. And look, look. Hallelujah. Why don't you come with me, Neph? <laughs> the king asked. Uh, and he replied, my Lord, the king, my servant, Zeba, deceived me. I told him, saddle my donkey so I can go with the king. For as you know, I am crippled. And Zeba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come. But I know my Lord, the king, is like an angel of God. So do what you think is best. All my relatives and I could expect only death from you, my Lord. But instead, you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. What more can I ask? And look at this. At that, David said, you said enough. David replied, I've decided that you and Ziba divide your land equally between you. Now that alone shows David doesn't know if Ziba's telling the truth or you. So he kind of just says, y'all divide the land. But it's what the young man says after that touches my heart. He could have said, you know what? Fine. I get my portion. He get his portion. At least I'm still alive. But in 30, look what he says. He said, give all of it. I'm content just to have you safely back again, my Lord, the King. This is an extraordinary person who came from brokenness, who came from nothing, and became very appreciative just to be in the presence of the king. There's a difference here between him and Ziba. And 
David really didn't know. But Zeba, if he is lying, which I suspect he might be, is chasing favor from what the king's hands can give. While this young man is basically saying, it doesn't matter what you give me, it's your presence that matters more. What is it about this young man that he discovered? He discovered the cure for my brokenness was his presence. What took me out of Lodabar and made me no longer look down upon. What changed was not his situation, was his location. And the location changed everything about him. And he realized that the presence of the king in my life is what makes me who I am. That if you remove the presence of the king, the beard that you see growing, the crippleness that you see is who I really am. King, it don't matter if you give him the land or give me the land. Give it to everybody else. I am just happy that your presence is back. Because what made me who I am is your presence. I ain't talking King David no more. I'm talking me. I'm a broken person who has done wrong, who has been dropped by people, who has been hurt by people, who have hurt people, who really deserves to be in Lodabar. Who, but what makes me anything in life is not the possessions I have. But the presence of the king in my life. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. And all I want is to be in his presence. Because, number one, in his presence there's fullness of joy. And number two, his presence is life-changing. And I want to leave you with that today. If you're sitting there today and you're saying... My life isn't this because this or what they done to me or because of the abuse or whatever, whatever. We can't change what has happened to us. We can't change that we were divorced. We can't change that somebody dropped us. We can't change the hurt that we've experienced. We can't change it. But we can change our location mentally. And we can go into the presence of God. And let me tell you this. It is not until you get into his presence. Then you will begin to see how his presence changes all that has happened to you in your life. And I want to encourage you today to seek the presence of God. Ask the king to bring you in his presence. Not because of all you've been through. God doesn't say to you. You are rejected. People might reject you. God doesn't say you got to do anything to earn disapproval. His doors are wide open today. Abused, ostracized, confused. You can go before God and say, God, I'm worthy of you taking everything from me. But God, and like this, that's what he said. He said, he said you could have killed my whole family, but instead you chose 
to put me at your table. God, you could have destroyed me. You could have destroyed my world, but instead you chose to die on a cross so that I could sit at your table, Father. You didn't die on the cross just so that I could seek your hands, but I could have access to your heart. I can talk to you, the king, personally. And God, I want all of you today. And when you begin to do that, things begin to change. God begins to break, 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 break. He begins to restore. He begins to, hallelujah, everything that the enemy meant for evil, God is able to turn around for good today. I just want to pray with you this morning. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you that you would ask him into your heart. Would you pray with me today? Say, Father God, Father God I, come to you I come to you broken, broken and, hurting, and hurting. And I ask you, and I ask you to, forgive me to forgive me of every sin. Of every sin. You, see you see the sin, the sin that, is in my life. that is in my life. And because of it, and because of it I'm, not worthy I'm not worthy to sit at your table. To sit at your table. But God, God, I heard heard that you died died so that I I can lift lift the shame shame of sin sin off of my life. life. I am not not my hurt, my my brokenness, my sin. I I am your child. And I thank you that I'm forgiven forgiven. in Jesus' name. name. Amen. I hope you were blessed by that. A lot of storytelling today. And I want to ask you a favor. If you've been blessed by our ministry, help us to do more. Would you support our ministry? Would you go to churchcityusa.com and bless us? You know, people think this is a ploy of preachers. But the truth of the matter is, we pour out into you so that you can partner with us and help us get the work to go on. There are many other people that are broken that need to hear this. Mm -hmm. Send us. Help us to get there. Help our church to grow. Mm -hmm. Would you consider going over to churchcityusa.com or using one of these methods that are on your screen and sowing into our ministry, whether it's Cash App or whether it's Zelle or whether you go to our website. All of those means you can use to give. Mm -hmm. And thank you for watching us today. In the midst of the crisis... We are focused on who Christ is. God bless you, Church City. Thank you for watching once again. We pray blessings on you and your family. And we're doing a tremendous work here in New York City. We believe the Lord has called us here. It cost us. We are grateful for everyone that sows into our ministry. And if you're watching and you feel led to sow, you can go to churchcityusa.com. You can sow into our ministry. Hey, listen, every bit help. It doesn't matter how big or small. We bless God for you. And uh, we love you. And we want to continue to do the work of the ministry. Thank you. This is your boy, 